Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies, exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while in the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not, so you can learn, grow, and succeed. If you want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. Chris, I know you're going to hate that I bring this up, but can we talk chat GPT for a quick second? <laughs> I'm just Absolutely. Curious. Everybody else is. We should. I know. Too. I know. I just like, how have you used it? Let's just talk about that. Like how, what have you used it for recently? Uh, so recently, what's the last thing The recently I used it for a LinkedIn post, um, prompted it with everything I was thinking about, um, and probably got three different versions before I kind of took the ideas from there and modified it to make it my own. So I've certainly used it for social. Yep. Um, in some of our blog writing, uh, we have prompted it with our target audience, uh, the types of uh, services and some challenge that we want to overcome. So we've certainly used it to help us with some creative ideas on the blog side. Um we are working through right now some help tools uh, for our product and, uh, you know, very detailed instructional type things. And I've encouraged my team just to write out, you know, we're not putting proprietary information in there. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're using it cautiously, of course, but I am encouraging the team to use it. So, you know, I just say, give it a little brain dump, just dump in there what you're thinking and then let it create for you and see yeah. what you like. So uh, that, and we've used it for a recent job description. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, absolutely. I When I'm stumped, I, and I'm, I just, I'm not in a creative mood. It's the end of the day. I go there and I'll just yeah. type in something. And I found that the better I prompt it with who I am, what I'm looking for, very specific mm -hmm. details, I get a pretty good response. Yep. So how about you? Yeah. Um, well, that's why prompt engineers are kind of the new title uh, that, you know, that are going to be positioned in, in the AI space. Oh, I, I've used it for work, for fun. Um, my husband, just loves using it for writing weird stories. <laughs> but he, he just plugs in random data points and see what is spit out. Um, I, yeah, I've used it for job descriptions. I actually think it does a really good job with the job descriptions, but that's kind of information that's been around and public on, on the web forever. So it, it's very concise. Um, I've used it for blog um, ideation. I've used it for um, actually I had to give a presentation not too long ago on a topic that I haven't specifically spoken on before. And I asked for uh, an outline and I was yes. extremely impressed and it, it definitely, I'm like, this is perfect. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> I just got to fill in the blanks. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I'm fascinated by it still. And I'm sure we'll all keep talking about this for quite some time, but um, yes. yeah, I figured that'd be a fun little, where we're at with that. Um, enough about uh, chat and GPT. Let's talk about Kate Bruns, who is our guest today. She is a lifelong writer who spent 20 years working in the higher ed communications world. Um, she was living in Des Moines, Iowa, when her husband took a new job and the family moved to Nina, Wisconsin in January, 2020. After a short time as a very reluctant pandemic homeschool teacher dabbling in freelance marketing and communications work, 
She jumped at the opportunity to embrace her first love, magazines, and became a writer-editor at Insight Publications, a regional business magazine serving Northeast Wisconsin. Today, her primary responsibility is editing the bi-monthly magazine, Insight on Manufacturing. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. You've kind of freaked me out with your intro since I'm a real human writer and uh, (laughs) ChatGPT is coming for us. Uh, I don't think so. It's certainly... I think it's going to help you be more productive, uh, but I don't think it's going to take yeah. away your skills uh, for sure, especially the quality that I see come out of there. I think it is great for ideation, like Lori talked about, but yeah. you don't have anything to personally worry about. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Job security, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, we're not on the paid version, but I hear that is a little bit stronger in how it's positioning things but at the end of the day with like any tool mm-hmm. the brain power comes from the strategy i mean there's so right. many and i see this all the time in the web dev world there's so many diy websites and then like people are frustrated because their website's not functioning for them even though they did it themselves but the, it's because they don't understand the strategy behind it so again it, it's it's that's where the human power is 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 in strategy mm-hmm. um, at least that's my opinion. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So too. Um, let, let's talk about this a little bit then. So um, Kate, in, in this digital age, is there still room for long form print magazines? And um, what, are your, what are you hearing from your audience and your readers about that? Sure. Um, so Inside on Manufacturing has been around for 15 years. Um, We serve 18 counties of Northeast Wisconsin covering manufacturing. And yes, over those 15 years, the internet has exploded. Uh, It's gotten noisier. Digital communications is definitely the thing. Um, But over that amount of time, the, the appeal of a tangible print product has actually sort of come back in some ways. Um, Our audience is, pretty broad ranging in terms of age, Um, but obviously um, some of the folks who've been around a little bit longer are still pretty big fans of of holding something in their hands and reading it, Um, kind of really diving into a topic, which is what we do at at Insight. Um, So, you know, yes, there is still room for print publications, the advertisers like it. but we are evolving um, just like every other business um, into doing more digital and insight, but really our flagship, our heart and soul is still in that print world with the glossy photography and the color and and the tangible um, magazine that people can can sit down and have their coffee and read it on a Sunday morning or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I receive it and and I enjoy, you know, flipping through the pages and and reading the stories and and seeing who else is advertising in there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I have read a lot about um, what's happening, you know, with the transformation from the traditional to digital. Before I started Keystone Click, I worked at an agency that primarily did print work. So um, it's just mm-hmm. been fascinating to see the transformation. But the more niche the content in the publication, the better its chances of sticking around and have, you know, for longer lifetime than kind of your generalist publications, which you're seeing with the newspapers and whatnot nowadays. So um, and I'd yeah. say your audience is definitely um, more old school mindset. Like, yeah, <laughs> I would say that's, that's fair. Yep, yep. 
Don't yeah, like and I don't know if that means I'm old school mindset, but you know, I still have a a few magazines that come to the house that I absolutely love when I when they come in the mail and I just sit down the next morning and have my coffee and just like you said, I open them up. Sports Illustrated is one of those. You know, I I Runner's World is one of those. I mean, obviously these aren't the industry publications that we're talking about, but Better Homes and Gardens I still get and I just really do enjoy flipping through and not being on my phone to have to read mm-hmm. something. Sometimes it is just nice to put the phone down and have a good resource in front of you that, you know, sparks some interest for the day. So. Yeah. And we've absolutely leaned into that niche. Right. And, you know, one of the reasons that we have the audience that we have is because we're partnered with um, the new manufacturing alliance, um, which is also run by a kick-ass woman in manufacturing and friends. Um, mm-hmm. she, uh, really when they had their organization set up, um, they wanted to do a newsletter and she was a team of one at the time she's grown a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the opportunity to partner with insight to say, okay, we don't need to do a newsletter cause you're covering what we want to cover. And you're, you're hitting the audience that we want to hit with our message. Um, so that's been really helpful um, to keep IOM's audience engaged and growing um, is that partnership with NUMA, which is a great organization people should check out. Love that. Going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We should get her on the show too. Then. <laughs> yeah, she'd be great. She, she loves to talk, you know, and the thing that I always say about writing about manufacturing, because it was like. I don't have a manufacturing background. I don't know the technical stuff about supply chain and, and AI and all this stuff. Um, it's really so much about workforce, talent, education, people, stories of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the main focus of NUMA. You know, we have a, a problem in the entire country, but particularly Northeast Wisconsin manufacturers with attracting and retaining the talent that they need to run their business. And so that really ends up being a lot of the content in IOM is how do we get into K-12? How do we um, inspire more women in STEM? Um, I recently uh, attended virtually the Women in Manufacturing North Conference where they talked about the percentage being about 10% nationally for women in manufacturing. And the fact that that's kind of been the number for two decades, Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of untapped potential there, obviously. Yes. Um, so yeah, getting tech, tech ed programs, we cover a lot of that. We cover our technical college system a lot. Um, so yeah, it's really ends up being a lot of, um, talent education and people stories at the end of the end of the day that we're telling. And, and that's very much aligned with what NUMA's primary mission is as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. You, you, you lightly touched on this, but um, I, you have a father who worked in in manufacturing, but you yourself did not have any experience in this space. Was it intimidating kind of jumping into this? It definitely was intimidating. I mean, I had my father was an engineer and until I was probably 12 years old, I thought he drove a train. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that. 
So I was like, oh, my daddy makes tractors. I don't really know what else is involved in that. So, you know, growing up, it was not something, even though he was in the the space, I didn't really understand all the nuances of manufacturing. And then when I went to journalism school, I was very focused on sports media and um, human interest type of journalism. Um, so yeah, when I'm offered this job to be editor of IOM, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am not a thought leader on manufacturing. I'm going to ask stupid questions. Um, but you know, like I said, it, it really doesn't matter if you have that expertise yourself. I'm looking for the experts. I'm not, I don't have to be the expert. I have to make what they say sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and helpful and connecting people. So, um, it's really been really pretty awesome to learn so much about manufacturing in the process of having this job. Um, And I'm just so inspired and sort of awed by this concept of making, right? Um, You know, this area of Wisconsin has one of the largest concentrations in the country for manufacturing. And you don't see that everywhere. And you, you kind of take for granted that people are actually making things here. And it's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I love about Wisconsin. And I think it's why when when you're from Wisconsin and you travel to other states and you know and people always want to know if you're if you're if you're looking for a job because they see people from the Midwest, particularly Wisconsin people, as uh, great workers. We have uh, good work habits. Um, you know, we show up every day on time, and a lot of it comes from this blue collar industry that we all have kind of been a part of here uh, in Wisconsin, which is something I really love and adore about Wisconsin too. Um, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned some of the biggest topics that you talk about, uh, workforce being one of them. I know supply chain being constrained has been a, a really big issue and topic that's covered well. Something that um, I continue to hear about, especially at conferences and things that I go to, is the challenges that manufacturers have to move towards more sustainability and all of the requirements that are associated with that. I'm curious if that's uh, something that you guys have been writing about and uh, if there are any other particular topics that are coming out that are, that might be a little bit not on the largest radar of what people are thinking about. Sure. Yeah. I Sustainability is definitely a huge focus of our magazine. We kind of have departments, they're global, back office. Uh, talent, education, and then sustainability is one of them. So that's definitely something we're very intentional about covering Um, everything from, you know, PFAS remediation efforts and how that's affecting the manufacturers here um, to ESG reporting, um, trying to kind of help people unpack some of that. Um, You know, a lot of, there's been quite an evolution in the last five to 10 years about sustainability directors and companies trying to figure out how to implement them and what their role is mm-hmm. and how it's really shifted toward something that customers are, are asking and demanding, regardless of any formal requirements for reporting. It's just good business for those manufacturers. So helping them understand um, all of those elements is definitely a huge part of our coverage at IOM, um, definitely. Yeah, I think that could be a great resource for companies because I know companies that are trying to figure out 
what are the rules of OSHA and the EPA and these different things that sometimes are written a little bit in a complicated way and everybody's trying to understand truly what it means and then what it means to them as an organization. So that could be a, a really good resource. So, um, you know, you've talked about manufacturing and, and being a, an outsider who's come in and it sounds like you're fitting right in. I, I'm curious, what have you grown to love or appreciate about manufacturing since you started there? I think it's just, there are so many stories to tell and the community is actually really collaborative. I think in my brain, I thought, you know, these are competitive proprietary enterprises that don't want to talk about their problems or share their secrets. Um, and in some respects, that's definitely true. Um, but it, the competition is global um, for most of these manufacturers in Northeast Wisconsin. So the collaboration ends up, you know, being pretty localized and um, we're just so much stronger first as a region in Northeast Wisconsin, but also as a state and, um, every time I can get people to work together, it seems like they're solving problems. So um, I think there's just such a spirit of getting things done that's inherent to people in manufacturing. And that includes, you know, solving some of these challenges. Um, and they're, they're big ones. Um, but workforce and, and the environment um, and education are, are all big, big parts of that. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Te teamwork makes the dream work. Right. But you're absolutely right, Chris, in what you say about the work ethic in this in this state. Um, I, I interviewed Safadel um, about why they set up shop in, in Wisconsin, um, an international company. Um, and they said absolutely 100% it was because of the people, the workforce, the work mm -hmm. ethic. Um, so that's something to celebrate. And I think that's another nice thing about IOM is people they're kind of proud of it, right? They're, yes. It represents what they do. It represents where they live. And it's kind of a, a source of pride for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Love that. All right. We're going to transition to a little bit more fun topic, I guess, here. Uh, Kate, can you share something with our listeners that maybe most people may not know about you? Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I don't know how many people know me anyway, but I would say <laughs> that um, I mentioned it earlier. I, I kind of started my career in sports. I really thought that was where I was going to go um, with journalism. I, I've always loved it. Um, you know, I've worked at NCAA basketball tournaments and um, worked on ESPN broadcasts and things in the past and really, really loved that side of it. Mm. Um, but, you know, it kind of goes back to um, all all journalism is just storytelling, whether you're writing about a basketball game or you're writing about supply chain. So um, yeah, but I, I'm, a, I'm a huge sports junkie. I went to Iowa State. I'm a big Iowa State fan. Um, and well, forgive really me for love that. college sports. <laughs> I know that's not going to make me popular on this podcast, but <laughs> not help where I was, uh, where I was born and raised and went to college. But um <laughs> I just love all college sports and, and, um, also really love professional football too. So. Cool. Wow. Right. That's a little well, bit of my, sport. my dream. <laughs> Chris and I are definitely more sport. I wouldn't say junkies, but we're yeah. athletic and intrigued and fascinated yeah. and participants in our own ways of whatnot. So yeah, um, definitely connects, relates, resonates with. Yes. 
Yeah, I loved basketball, but I just wasn't really that all that great at playing it. So um, I kind of went to the other side of it. <laughs> well, I have to say watching Caitlin Clark this year was uh, incredible. I, I never saw a player like that before in my entire, I've never seen a player like that. I can't wait to watch her some more next year. Um, we want to get uh, tickets to the game here in Wisconsin so that Good. when Wisconsin and Iowa play, but it, it is an exciting time for women's sports as well. So I have been a big advocate for women's sports for a long time, and it's nice to see women's basketball really coming into the national conversation. And I really think a lot, a lot, a lot of it had to do with her. Yeah. Um, and, but I don't think we also need a once in a generation athlete to get people interested right. in it. So hopefully the, the interest stays, but you know, what a time we're living in with, with college sports too, to think about she's, this is the best she's going to have it, um, you know, in terms of making money and exposure and it's, it's college women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really kind of cool thing to be able to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. All right. Uh, this is a section of our show that I very much enjoy. Um, Chris, why don't you finish this sentence? I just learned that. Well, I just learned from our friend Jake Hall, the manufacturing millennial, that 75% of skilled skilled trades workers are over the age of 45. Um, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but when you see the number and you know it to be true, it's uh, it's a little worrisome. And uh, it's disappointing because I think the skilled trades are some of the best, it's some of the best work out there. I mean, there are many times, and I know we've talked about this on the show in the past, that I think it would be fun to work uh, in the skilled trades. You know, I've, I've often thought, man, I should have been an electrician, you know, and for whatever reason that fascinates me, but, you know, I, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but my dad was a um, cement mason all of his life. And really all of the my uncles on my dad's side of the family, they were around heavy equipment machinery, whether they own their own business, building the bridges and roads that we have here in Wisconsin, or they were heavy equipment operators in construction. They all had, I have an uncle who was a mechanic, right? So a little bit different, but fixing uh, the vehicles that have to be uh, continue to work. And I, I think about how all of these just make our world go around. And, and as we've talked about on the show before, these jobs have to be promoted just as, uh, as much as any other type of career, because they are, they are great careers. Um, all of my, you know, aunts and uncles have retired in their late fifties and early sixties. They have, um, you know, good health, they they had good benefits, and it's a good option for people. So I hope that, you know, just talking about this will promote it a little bit in a different way. And maybe any parents out there listening will encourage their children to get in, involved, get their kids involved. I, I have heard like some of my friends that have, you know, kids that are middle school age, like they're really encouraging them to pursue um, like tech type fields that, and, you know, go to tech school or find an apprenticeship as opposed to like, you have to go get your four-year degree and mm-hmm. whatever. And, and I love hearing that. I know this has been a big initiative. Um, I just had a random thought, maybe connected, maybe not, but I know that, you know, America in general has this 
huge like health and overweight problem, but it's because most people are sitting at desks all day long. And I think that yeah. is something that's one of the reasons why I wish I would have gone down that route in the field, hands-on getting dirty every day. Cause then you're moving constantly as opposed yes. to sitting at a desk nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it would likely solve multiple. Yes. Yes. That's what actually you- on my story idea list is how can we promote manufacturing as um, an active lifestyle, right? Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a great story. Make sure you, you know, when that's published, if you, if you promote it socially in any way, tag us, cause we'll spread yeah. the message out that totally. way too. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Lori, how would you answer the question? I just learned that. <clears throat> well, you know what route I'm going to go. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I read this article and it was somewhat interesting. Um, the CEO at IBM, Arvind Krishna, uh, was interviewed by Bloomberg, and he um, said that he could see 30% of back office roles getting replaced by AI and automation in the next five years. Wow. That's a lot. 30%. Which, that's a lot. Which, if you think about this, this is, again, back office admin type roles. We're here advocating, <laughs> go get your hands dirty, work in manufacturing. Right. Like, this is, let's lean into what's happening um, with AI and technology to support manufacturing, getting more people in this field. Yeah. Could be the, could be the push that's needed to move yeah. people from one area to another area for yeah. sure. Kate, what about you? What have you just learned? Oh my gosh. I learned something every day, which is why I love my job. Um, but one of the topics that we're really working on right now, last week, I went to a meeting, um, of the greater Fox Valley childcare Alliance, um, which is getting started up. Um, I've learned a lot about childcare is something we write about as affecting the workforce issue and disproportionately affects women, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen some really cool things where some companies are implementing school day, line shifts and things like that, which are some cool innovations to get around that. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, one of the biggest challenges with, with childcare is it's kind of this market failure in terms of how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, 78% of their cost is salaries. Um, yet childcare workers generally receive poverty level wages. Um, so and, and people can't afford to enroll their children. So all of these things being true at the same time is a real head scratcher. Um, so there's a lot of work being done um, in that space to figure out how we can make it more affordable and lift those people's wages. Um, and there's some really great ideas starting to float around. Um, but I also heard people in the room say, we've had the same problem for 30 years and we're, we're spinning our wheels. Um, so, you know, one of them is, is talking to manufacturers about creating their own childcare and, um, Aaron's company here in Brilliant, uh, did that recently. Um, and there is, there does seem to be a little hearkening back to, you know, companies taking on some of these problems themselves, mm-hmm. um, because there just doesn't seem to be a sustainable solution for childcare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I know. Interesting. And um, a little sobering. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely some initiatives to try to get some federal funding for this to help alleviate the pains that a lot of these small businesses are having. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not just in manufacturing, it's it's in all industries, I think that. And it's unfortunate because there is an, 
an, an audience that wants to be working, but unfortunately they can't because, um, you know, which makes sense. You're putting your family first, but let's, um, let's create a winning solution here instead of, you know, not, not allowing those to create some profitability for their households, um, while raising, raising children too. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, could you uh, share with our listeners how best someone may get in contact with you if they're interested in learning more about the publication or just picking your brain a little bit further? Yes, absolutely. I, I am always all ears with for story ideas. Um, anybody who wants to pitch me anything, anytime, I'm all I'm all ears. Um, I think my email address and my LinkedIn will be in the show notes so you can yep. kind of connect with me that way. Um, Insight on Manufacturing is our website, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-O-N-M-F-G.com. Mm-hmm. Um, InsightOnBusiness.com is our sort of parent website um, where we cover all manner of business throughout the 18-county region of Northeast Wisconsin. Um, and yeah, I would love to connect. And if people would like to receive the magazine, um, please connect with me. I would be ha- more than happy to put you on the list, even if you don't live in our region, um, it might give you some some insights um, and some ideas and inspiration. Um, we just we would love to grow our audience a little bit, and I'm glad that Lori is already a reader. And um, to get more people on the list is definitely the goal. So um, connect with us at at insightonmfg.com or reach out to me. Wonderful, awesome. Thank yeah, you we'll, so much, Kate. Absolutely, we'll include all that information on how to connect with you in our show notes. All right. These are three bras wrapping up. Please reach out. We want to hear from you. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you know someone who would be amazing guests, you want us to interview, definitely share the information with us. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcasts.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.